0: This thing on because it's getting ready to be on.
1: Hey! Hello and welcome to Bell Ringer. My name is Greg. Your guest name today is Tom Quinn, who heads up the Western New York Impact Investment Fund right here in Buffalo, Niagara. The fund is a for-profit venture investment fund with a philanthropic lean to it. There are social returns and social impact components. They've invested in companies like Verdi Parente, Circuit Clinical, and others that you might recognize. Super interesting conversation and fund. Thanks to Tom for his time and you for yours.
0: Yeah, so the, the fund is a very unique for-profit investment fund. It is prototypical of, of a venture fund. Um, however, it's very unique in the sense that we are co-equal around our mission to have a meaningful, sustainable social impact, specifically in the eight counties of Western New York, so the greater Buffalo, Niagara region, but also kind of our um, not so uh, well-developed rural areas that could use some help economically and otherwise. And we are also um, very dedicated to returning a market rate financial return to our investors, and we're co and equal around that mission.
1: So the fund started in 2017, correct?
0: Correct. Yeah, August. Yeah.
1: So. I guess, take us back to that time, you know, the the beginning of the fund, you know, one why start the fund, but also sure. in that way and in those two, with those two goals and buckets that you just kind of laid out for us.
0: Yeah. So Greg, that's that's probably more of an intuitive question than you realize. So So this fund actually started three years before it was launched. Okay. And it started as an idea. So philanthropic foundations heretofore to that date had always talked about this idea about investing in in organizations and people, right? In, In a way that could be profitable and yet still meet the mission of philanthropic foundations. And so it had been talked about for quite some time, candidly. And so the Heron Foundation run by Clara Miller at the time approached Clotilde Decker at the Community Foundation for Greater Buffalo and they, you know, they really, Clara said to Clotilde, would you be interested to, to look into this, to examine this, to do some research? And of course, Clotilde and typical of being from Buffalo was like, of course you would, yeah. Um, and so they did. And really for three years with a bunch of, I would say local constituents, um, they looked into it and did a lot of research around really some fundamental questions. Number one, was there an appetite for this concept? And by that, by appetite, I mean, Were there there enough people and organizations willing to invest in something like that? So could you raise enough money where you're meaningful? Uh, Number two, could you find enough places to put that money to work, right? Could you find enough deal flow to put that money to work? And And then three, if we could find both of those, can we find someone to run it? Because quite frankly, it's an idea. It's a concept that we get calls from around the country on a fairly consistent basis, like what do you do? How do you do it? How'd you figure it out? Um, and so there was a lot of heavy lifting that went on for almost three years. Um, and there and a lot of constituents within the community, names that a lot of people would recognize. Uh, the market research part of it really uh, at the time was helped and led by Bridget Doherty and Bill Joyce and many others. I shouldn't name names because there are so many. And so around the, the beginning of 2017, it started to coalesce, right? And people started raising their hands. And said yes, and so they called me in the beginning of '17 and said, you know, we we you know the committee. I talked to them, and they talked to me, and you know how those things go. And they're like, well, we like you, and I'm like, well, I like you too. And I, first of all, what you're trying to do is crazy good. I don't know if you pull it off or not, but it's crazy good. I would love to be a part of that if you decide to do it. And so then we waited about six months. They closed the, the the fund, which was about 8.15 million. And it was kind of the, you know, the, the cart and of horse. And so then it's like, well, some people weren't going to put their money into they knew who was going to run it. So and so anyway, we, we got, sorry for the long answer. We got to a point where they raised the money, they had a fund, they needed someone to run it. They did all the heavy lifting. Uh, they talked to me, and I said, I would love a chance to run it. And so Bill Joyce at the time, who was the, the founding chair, board chair, kind of sat down with me and we sat in his office. He wrote up a half a piece of paper and said, here's kind of your job description. And, and I said, and we didn't we I don't even know if we signed it. We shook hands and we said, so let's go. Let's try to make this work. And that that's a lot of detail. But the point is, is that this idea wasn't something that started in in in, in August of 17 started well before that. A lot of people did a lot of work, good work.
1: So the idea of having this blend between venture capital and, you know, philanthropic and, uh, you know, social returns, as you call it on the website, you know, obviously that's appetizing to anyone that hears that. That sounds like a fantastic idea, but, you know, maybe in those three years from 14 to 17, or when you come on in 17, your website buckets, the area's in Mm -hmm. which you want to target your investments, companies that you're looking for within certain industries, you know, you can go a lot of ways in spending that money on and do a lot of good. So how do you, and, you know, the committee um, start to make decisions around, you know, where you're going to put the money, where you're going to focus.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's, so when we first started this, Greg, we had, we had eight different things that we called social impact. Eight, right? So we kind of we didn't make them up. We knew they 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 could be social impact, right? There were eight. Um, today we have, I believe it's thirty eight different points of social impact, and so we have five major buckets, if you will, of social impact. So it's workforce education and development, um, workforce diversity, neighborhood revitalization is, is one of our big buckets. Uh, And then of course, access to healthcare. And we also have the environment. We're very concerned about our environment, especially where we are with clean water and clean air being one of our our biggest assets, right? And so those are the five major buckets, kind of like five of the eight that that we talked about when we first started. And then what we did very intentionally, really over a span of two years, we took the diversity, equity and inclusion, inclusion lens And we ran that across the five different buckets, right? So we look at, so for we do DEI, we look at marginalized populations and communities. We look at um, female led businesses, minority led businesses. We will take a look at um, companies that we invest in. We look at their boards and see what kind of diversity they have. Um, we, We look at their management team and then we look at their workforce. So for example, we'll look at their workforce And they'll report to us, you know, de-identified, right, voluntarily, they'll report to us what percent of that workforce is female, what percent of it is minority, um, either Black or Latinx, right, what percent of their workforce comes from a zip code. And then we'll measure zip codes that, for example, we know zip codes in Western New York that not, not only the highest percentage of people living in poverty in Western New York, but in the country, right? And so these are the kinds of things that from a social impact DEI standpoint that each company will measure out. If they're environmentally beneficial, Greg, let's say they decrease carbon footprint, we'll measure how much they decrease what's going to a landfill, for example. We'll measure the the decrease in uh, emissions, for example, based on how effective their insulation is. And so we have a broad DEI matrix that we measure from an industry standpoint, quite frankly, we're agnostic. We, we really are. For example, we invest in an insulation company, in a battery technology, in a dairy farming technology company, in a, a clinical research organization, and medical, to a, a medical device. I mean, it's, it's across the board industry-wise, but they all, they all can check boxes on our social impact matrix, and then of course, you know, we have the financial or the business diligence, if you will. And we we actually have two separate committees at, at the fund. There is a committee that does the social impact diligence, and there is a social there's a separate uh, committee that does the financial business diligence, and they separately go into those streams. Uh, you know, once they come really through through me and my team into those committees. And then the reports come out of those committees back to me and my team. And we decide whether we take it to the board or not. And the and if we do, the board has to have a supermajority vote of yes for us to move forward. And a supermajority to us is, is two-thirds have to say yes.
1: So you started to hint there in that answer at <clears throat> the makeup of your portfolio. Uh, you know, I was looking at the website today to prepare for the interview and it's some of the companies you see most often in the news with their successful sure. growth between, you know, Circuit Clinical, sure. um, you know, within clinical trials and Verdi Parente, you mentioned clean water and clean air, reducing carbon footprint. That's something we've been talking a lot about at Invest Niagara and BN Buffalo and thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, ways to obviously attract more clean energy companies, but also promote the natural assets that we have. So I guess tell folks a little bit more just about the portfolio investments that you've made. I think it's 10 or maybe more companies recently. So just take us through a little bit of that for folks.
0: Yeah, and if you don't mind, Greg, I might give some specific examples because I think it adds some color, if you will, to what kind of investments we're making, what we think that means to the community. And, and to just go back, we've, we've invested in eight companies, but we've made 14 investments. So we intentionally, when we invest as a fund, Um, we will keep what we call dry powder back. So if one of our investments are making good progress, or even we think they could make good progress, but actually get into a jam, we want to be able to invest. For example, Veriti Parente, we were one of the first investors in series A. um, And then we invested again in series B. And then we just invested in in the $95 million round. Now, we're not a big investor in that round because we're not a big fund. But we'll we'll stick with our investments if they're performing in a manner and they need more capital because we are one of the few capital providers past the seed stage that is actually a local capital provider and so we fill that gap between seed if you will and then institute you know big big time institutional investors. so I want to make sure I answer your question so let me just give you let me let me give you a couple of examples so, Viridi Prenti is a really terrific example and the battery technology, the environmental impact is the upside to that is, is really quite impressive. Um, But what, what I really like, what John is doing over the John Williams and his team, think of this, Greg, if, if they're successful, right, with their battery technology and there's a widespread potential to use that, but let's say they're building Bobcat machines, right, which they have a relationship and partnership with, and they're replacing the the diesel power drive systems and everything through partnerships with Mo, which is another local company that we didn't invest in, but but that could benefit from our investment in Verity. And so when I went over there in eighteen and looked around the old American Axle, well, John, we looked around the old American Axle plant, looked like a bomb went off. I mean, seriously, and I'm not trying to be, you know, hyperbolic here. It's like it, it's it was bad. And so they've, they've done so much work. They brought a, a large portion of it back to life. Again, but if, but if they have, let's say they get 300, 350 people building just these Bobcat machines and repurposing and taking the drive systems out, taking the you know the diesel part of it out, putting the battery technology and repurposing them, and they create a couple hundred jobs on the east side of Buffalo. That is one of the poorest zip codes in the country, by the way. Um, and that comes back to life and starts buzzing again. And let's say even 100 people from that neighborhood. Can get a clean tech manufacturing job, they can walk, they can take a, a bike, and they easily can take a bus to work, right? And so Steve Finch is the plant manager over there. Um, you know, he he knew he knows that because he knows GM. That used to be GM plant as well as American Axle Plant. That used to really employ thousands of people over there. And and that that spinoff, if you will, of creating that kind of employment and those kinds of, you know, bodegas or, you know, mini bars, uh, dry cleaners, lunch places. And, and John, has part, John Williams has partnered up with Catholic Charity in Northlands. I mean, Northlands is critical, right? And so now you have Northlands and Catholic Charity together with John training up people, hopefully a fair amount of people from, from those neighborhoods to get a, a well-paying job with a skill set, by the way, they own, right? That's portable, they own that now. They have that knowledge, they have that skill set, and they have a full suite of benefits, right? Um, So that kind of neighborhood revitalization and workforce development on top of the environmental impact, I mean, you're starting to check a lot of our boxes, just as an example. if I would give you another example, if you heard of Tech Buffalo, you know what's going on at Tech Buffalo at Seneca One, which is really cool, right? So they're trying to also create technology jobs, not only because we need them in Buffalo to support a lot of our, a lot of our corporations, um, but, but I was on the bo- founding board member and treasurer at Tech Buffalo. And in April or March of 2020, you, you know what was going on, right? That, that was when people finally admitted COVID was a thing and the market <laughs> dropped 40% in two right. weeks. Right. So I'm a capital call fund. What that means is my investors commit a certain amount of money to the fund. And when we need it, we call it. Right. So we call every time we make an investment. So uh, Matt Tech Buffalo and, and New York City's a mess and Empire State Development and Amanda Mays, which really I, doing it, Amanda did an amazingly great job, I believe. But the funds at ESD were frozen at that time. Right. The, the governor said, look, we don't know what's going to happen in New York. So the ESD funds froze. Tech Buffalo was kind of on the brink of either stopping or ceasing to exist. So I go to my board, like picture the end of March, 1st April. And I go to my board and I said, you know what? We need to lend Tech Buffalo half a million bucks. We need to bridge them. We need to gap finance them until we get the other side of this. And ESD funds, you know, free up a little bit because Amanda said, you know, once they do, I I guarantee you we're, we're in at Tech Buffalo. It's just that. And, and my board, Greg, they looked at me like I was off Magnetic North. They they said, do, Quinn, do you realize what's going on? You're asking us to write you a check for Tech Buffalo when the markets are down 40%. And, and literally, I looked at him and I said, I, I am, I actually am. And and I, I defined why it was so important that Tech Buffalo not go away, right? What it meant to M&T, what it meant to Kubrick, what it meant to everyone, new, new era, rich product, you name it, right? Um, and I said to him, I said, "Look, if 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 not us, you know, then who? And if not now, then when?" And the board looked around at each other, and, and unanimously, they said, "Okay, yes." So, you think about the integrity and the courage of my board, which I am so lucky to have. I didn't I didn't build my board. I got lucky and got my board. I mean, the courage it took to do that at that time and and what Tech Buffalo is going to mean to the to to the to you know people to train up into those jobs, either you're unemployed or underemployed, and now you're going to upskill yourself, right? And what that means to the economic development of the Niagara, Buffalo, Niagara region is just incredible. And I I couldn't have been more proud of of my board. I mean, they, you know, they are committed, they are passionate, uh, they get their hands dirty, they come to work. Uh, and they're all volunteer. So, so in any event, there's a couple of examples that are completely different ways we invest and, and you're going to have to stop me because I can keep going because um, I, I believe that we've proven that the theory works. And that's why we're in the midst of, we're almost ready to close a series two.
1: Well, <clears throat> for our listeners, um... It depends on the timing, but Sarah Tambacucci, the president and CEO of Tech Jesus, Buffalo, yeah. should be either the episode right before you or right after you. So that'll be a very nice parlay. Um, I want to transition a little bit more macroscopically to the entrepreneurial ecosystem as a whole. So, you know, I asked you about the that time frame from 2014 to 2017. You said you needed to see a few things that there was enough money. And mm-hmm. enough companies to give that money to. A lot has changed, especially in the latter of those two from 2014 till today. So and honestly, from 2017 till today, from sure. when you've started the growth of the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Yeah. So um, from your vantage point, you know what's what's been the reason for that growth? I mean, there's a lot more companies today that can get those funds from you. There, there's just this like innovative spirit and more companies starting more money to go around. So I guess I'm just interested from your vantage point, you know, in this role from 17 to today, and even the development of the program from 14 to today, what do you think's changed?
0: So there's been quite a bit and it's, it's been a matter, in my opinion, Greg, it's been a matter of public and private money coming together. And, and, and again, this is in my opinion. So I I left I'm a native i'm a buffalo guy right born and raised here um have you know we're a family of five boys um and i left here for about seven years on a corporate development thing and right and you know think about when it was really kind of not so great around here and that was in like 1990 1992 etc and, and and i got on a, the um corporate development track. And I was going to be a big shot at a big company and make a lot of money. And and the price I had to pay was that I had to leave Buffalo, right? My three kids were born in in, in um, three different cities as I was becoming important. And, and then a couple of things happened to me personally, um, you know, just in my family that really made me question what was important to me, you know, to be important or, or, or to be um, in the place that I love with the people that I loved. And so it dawned on me really quickly that it's really not important to be important, at least in my opinion. And, and so I, after being terribly homesick, I, mean, I just we just moved home, right? In 92 and said, I'll figure this out. Um, I'll figure out how to make a living. But, but I just, so that's the, the first part of your answer is that's the kind of the cornerstone of Buffalo and the kind of people we are. That has never really changed. What I believe has changed, Greg, is that whether we like it or not, over time and historically, Buffalo's been a fairly insular place, right? A fair amount of silos. And so what I've seen change, and we haven't eliminated that entirely, but what I've seen change is that thinking, right? So for example, the fund, whoever we invest in and whatever good we do, we don't care who gets credit. My board doesn't they really don't care. They care about Buffalo. They care about Western New York. And I think that mentality has blossomed. Right. And so I think in addition to that and just the kind of people we are and you add into that really an infusion of public money, a great deal of public money that now private money, meaning funds like ourselves and others have kind of piled in behind that. And I think that combination and synergy of that has been a big factor to create opportunities. And then what, look, when you, if you want to be successful, you've got to start. So, right. So you've got to start. And it's kind of like when, you know, me and my brothers would hang around, you know, not do anything. My dad used to say, my mom used to say, just go do something, right. Just do something. And so that took hold. Right. So, you know, whether it was John Gavigan or Alex Gress over and, and Colleen at 43 North, Marnie at launch, you know, Christina or- Orsi at UB, uh, Matt Enstice at the BNMC, and, you know, and Tom here and Bill Joyce getting that start. It's kind of like all of a sudden we realized that if you get together and you kind of knock down some of these silos, there is so much we can accomplish. And then what you do is you get these small victories and, and victories beget victories. And, vic- and victories beget employment, they beget money coming in, and you, your, your economic uh, underpinnings, if you will, begin to grow. And then people who moved away like I did, like I moved back and it was still not a great place to be. I just had to figure it out. But now you have expats saying, who always never really wanted to leave here, saying, you know what, I can go back there now. I can go back to the place I love and like i you know people say you know that's the place i call home well no that's not the place we call home that is the place that is home and so i think that it takes on it's a it's a bit of a vortex in a positive way right that creates energy and that energy tries to spread out from the pebble that you throw in and the ripples doesn't have to be big right you just have to get started and in our case you know, our fund is funded by philanthropic organizations. We have corporate money, and, and we have individuals and family money. And what, what's, what what is it all that's in common? It's the passion about making this a great place to live. And so a bit of that, I'm sorry, Greg, if a little bit, bit of that's corny, because I think there are real measurable underpinnings we can point to, like money, like commitment, like people, right? But that creates an environment around here that make people want to come back here or just come here. So I, you know, to me, that's what I see. And every time, you know, look, we're not a big fund. We typically get in early. We like to get them past kind of the seed launch phase. We, you know, it's after that where we play because that's where the gap is. Um, And so I, I think that that's coming together and it's observable, it's measurable it's tangible, and it's real. And it's from that, that you just grow. And that's what's going on. And I think that's why it's changed. I mean, it's a beautiful place to live. I don't care what anyone says about our snow. This is a gorge. I've lived in other places. Our change of seasons, and, and our spring and our summers. I mean, this is just a good and, and the beauty of the place is just crazy. So anyway, you asked me a question that I'm passionate about. So I, I'm sorry, I kind of I kind of went off on my soapbox there.
1: No, beautiful answer. That's what (laughs) that's what we're doing here. So I appreciate it. Um, There was an article last week. I think it was last week that came out. Buffalo startups in 2021 raised 560 or over 560 million dollars in capital in the year. That was, I believe, more than double than Buffalo startups had ever done in a single year before. I think in 2019. It was like 230 million or something. You talked about how you've lived elsewhere and have since come back. How do you think, you know, as someone that's lived outside of the region, how do you think our perception has changed across the country when you see stats like that come through?
0: Oh, oh, it's 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 night and day. So, just for context, Greg, when when I say I lived away, I started um, after I did the corporate thing, I actually went into the entrepreneur startup part of my life. And I have started and exited five companies. And, and some of the exits have been pretty good and some have been you know just okay, right? I haven't, haven't gotten hurt in any of them, knock on wood. But let me tell you where they were. They were in San Francisco, they were in Seattle, Chicago, New York, and Boston, right? And here I am living in the south towns, right? And my offices are in all these cities because this just wasn't the right place to start a business at the time, right? And so, you know, whatever, we're getting Silicon Valley money, Seattle money, Boston money. Um, And and I was creating jobs in those regions instead of here in my hometown. And so, um, so, so I think like when I would tell people like I'm from Buffalo and they're like, oh, good thing you got out. And I'm like, no, no, no. I live there. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, no, hold on a sec. Cause we all got our chips on our shoulders, right? When people say that to us. And so I kind of lay into them about it. You know, you, you know, have you been there, and of course they say no and i'm like i'll tell you what i'll take you there right, this is this is as it's getting better I said i'll, I'll take you there. So the perce- that's the perception going back 20 some years ago now it's like now it's totally different right because you had things saying buffalo you know from an environmental standpoint you know, is probably going to be one of the best places to live in the next 20 years, right? Um, You know, we don't have our forest fires, we don't have our floods, we don't have our tornadoes, we don't have our hurricanes, we don't have our avalanches. Um, We might get a little snow, that's about it, right? So that combined with the business atmosphere uh, on the number of, of companies that are blossoming here that we're launching into national or international companies, right? So my thing is, as an impact fund, like, like Verity Parente, Circuit, they're going to be national and international companies. But what Buffalo can say is it started here. The genesis was here, right? Like it's Circuit, we're trying to put this patient engagement council together where clinical trials will become a care option for communities that have been forgotten, overlooked, right? So when I talk to doctors Ansari and Dr. Davis at the community health centers at Buffalo, it's like, we want to get we want to work with you right and we want to figure this out how how clinical trials become a care option in a marginalized communities and and doctors ansari and davis have been wonderful and and but it's like but we want to take that like around the country and i'm like oh yes we do and we want to say we figured it out right here in buffalo first right and so that's a that's a roundabout answer but i think when you see things like that when i have people calling me like how the heck did you start a social impact fund and make these kinds of investments out of a smudge, such a small fund, you know, $8, $10 million in eight counties? How, how, how did you do that? So that's what the images is of Buffalo. It's like, wow, look at Buffalo. How are they doing this? And that's the kind of phone calls we get now, and which is night and day as little as 10 years ago, right? Not 20. And so those are the things that are different. And that's, and look... All these places I've been and started these, I have great, deep friendships in those places. And then they'll they'll see like the the Prente thing, or I'll put something on LinkedIn, and they're like, "Man, Quinn, this this is a place to be." And I'm like, "It sure is. It sure is." So, um, I hope that was a decent answer to that question.
1: That's perfect. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean that perception changes, thanks to you know your work and and so many other people's work. So, really grateful for everything you do for the region and your time today on the podcast, before I let you go, we always end on a couple of hard hitting fun blizzard round questions. So if you were a flavor (laughs) of ice cream, what would you be? Rainbow shirt. All right. What's a book or TV show that you'd recommend?
0: Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick books, although I do watch Blacklist, um, and I do watch This Is Us because it's the only TV show I've ever watched that could make me cry. Um, but I'm going to say books, and I'm going to give you two because I'm t- I'm typically reading two, one for kind of business self-improvement and the, un- the other for pure enjoyment. Um, so the book I would say would be The Man from Moscow. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's if you haven't, you should read it. Um, one of my favorite books, and, and the other is an, an old-fashioned one called... Uh, coaching for improved work performance by ferd Fournier's. it's an ancient book but it is so fundamentally sound about improving performance in the workplace without being obnoxious and actually the i find that the um the learnings from that actually spill over to your own personal life too um so that's what i would say f- for books yeah
1: awesome fantastic answer how about which do you prefer text or phone call Text. Hiking or skiing?
0: A cross-country snow skiing.
1: How about bills or sabers?
0: Oh, damn! I, I love them both. Um, but are you want me to pick one? Um, I and I played hockey too, so I'm going to say bills. No yeah, offense was, to the sabers, man. No, no offense whatsoever.
1: That's a, pretty much everybody's toughest question, right? Right. <laughs> and I mean, then the last one, most important question. Chicken wings, drumstick or flat? Drumstick. Great choice. I agree with you on that. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much for your time today. really appreciate it.
0: Oh, no, it's been a pleasure. You're welcome. I'm, I'm glad you asked me.
1: Bellringer is a podcast by Invest Buffalo Niagara, the region's privately funded nonprofit marketing and economic development organization. Please rate this podcast, follow our social media channels, and read our blog at buffaloniagra.org for the best of Buffalo Niagara. Come grow your business with us.